Hi everyone, uh, my name's Ben, uh, I'm a member of the church here, um, and I thought maybe today we could do things a little bit differently, so make sure you're comfortable, grab yourself a cup of tea if you haven't already got one, um, you chill in your house or at your desk or on your sofa, and I'll sit on mine, and let's have a little conversation about what it looks like to have faith in Jesus. Let's dive straight in. So the passage we're looking at today is Romans 10. Um, and in this book, it's written by a guy called Paul um, to a group of Christians in Rome, which is why it's called Romans. Um, and in that letter, he's talking um, to this, this group of Christians who have had a bit of like, a bit of a split in their community. And there's two distinct groups in that community. There's the Jewish Christians and there's the Gentile Christians, which basically just means everyone who's not Jewish. Um, and what was happening is that the Jewish Christians, they'd, they'd left Rome, they'd been exiled, and they've just come back in, and things aren't being done the way that they expected. Um, and they are really pushing a message that the only way to have good relationship with Jesus is to make sure that you follow all of the rules, all of the laws, and that you, li you basically live your best life. Um, and only then, through doing all of that stuff, can you be in community with other Christians and in relationship with Jesus. Now, obviously, all the Christians who weren't raised in the Jewish tradition, they had no idea what they were meant to be doing. They didn't, they didn't have that foundation of knowledge. They didn't have the experience. No one had taught them what it looked like to live that life. And so they were coming, they were being tripped up. Um, and it meant making a lot of drastic changes in order to, to, to live that life, including like circumcision um, and all sorts of things like that. And so Paul is writing this letter to this church, um, fully aware of this situation that's going on. And this passage that we read today is kind of part of the response to that issue. What was really happening was that the, the Jewish Christians had this belief that um, making sure that we were perfect, making sure that we acted to the highest standard, um, had a profound impact on our relationship with Jesus and our ability to hang out with Jesus, be his friend, be considered sons of God. And what Paul is saying is that, that that's probably not actually the case. And what I don't think Paul realised is that we actually suffer f with a lot of the same issues today in our community. You know, we live in a society where everything is, is airbrushed, right? You, know, you go on Instagram and all of the photos are edited and there are filters on them. Even our church services over the last six months, you know, they're rigorously filmed and edited and polished because we want to have a good experience. We want to have good community with each other. But in some ways, sometimes that pursuit of perfectionism actually makes it harder for us to relate with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never had a relationship with him, it can be very easy to look around at a church culture and think that there's a, you know, a whole bunch of rules you have to follow. And if, if you get them all right, then, you know, you can be a Christian, then you can follow Jesus, then you can be good enough to get into heaven. What this passage actually tells us is the opposite is completely true. It doesn't actually matter what we do. It's not what we do that allows us to have a relationship with Jesus, that allows us to call him friend. It's more about what we believe, what we feel inside, and then doing something with that feeling and that belief. I'll just read you a little bit of this passage now. It says this from verse 8. It says, The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So actually, what we do doesn't really matter. 
And I find often that one of the biggest barriers for me in enjoying good relationship with Jesus and feeling like I'm really a good part of this community and that I can live a life of faith, um, one of the biggest barriers is believing that I'm not good enough. And a lot of the time I talk to my friends and my family and, and it's, the same, it's the same story. There's a, the, we keep so much guilt on ourselves about what we've done or the things we've said or the decisions we've made. But actually none of that stuff is barriers for us knowing Jesus. All we have to do is believe it in our heart and declare it with our mouths. And that's kind of the difference between belief and faith, right? It's not just feeling it, it's then declaring it as well. The next verse after that bit I've just, just read says, in verse 11, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That means everything we've ever done isn't held against us when it comes to knowing and finding and having a relationship with Jesus. All that matters is that we believe what he's done, we believe what he said, and we speak it out. So maybe you've been tuning into these live streams, you know, all, the, all summer or maybe just for a couple of times and this is really your first proper experience of church um, or maybe you've been coming to church for the last 50 years and you, you can't wait to get back in the building it doesn't really matter but if you do have that thought or that feeling that you're not good enough that maybe if you just clean your life up maybe if you just do you're a little bit better or you speak a bit, bit nicer or maybe you swear a little bit less or, or if you just change this or that then you'll be ready to to, to take the leap and to become a Christian and to be part of this church community. I just want to say you're already there. You're already good enough. That's, that's the whole concept of grace. It talks about grace in the Bible a lot. It's that actually we're, none of us are good enough. It's kind of the big secret of church is that it's full of people that are sinners. You're not, you're not suddenly perfect when you know Jesus. That's grace. We are made perfect through him and through what he's done. But it's not just a barrier to belief in the first place that perfectionism can become an enemy of. It's actually what we then do with it. Obviously, this passage talks about believing it and proclaiming it. And we see this beautiful picture of the journey that um, everyone goes through in order to find Jesus for the first time. Someone is sent out. They chat about Jesus. We hear it. And then we go through this process of that hearing becoming believing. And then right back to the start of the cycle, we are then told to believe it and then proclaim it. And right near the end of this passage, it's in, it's in verse uh, 13, I says. This is a, no, sorry, that's wrong. Um, it's, it's later than that. It's in verse 15. And it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that confused me for ages. I was like, who cares about people's feet? But then I kind of realised that when this, this, this book, this passage, this letter was, was written, um, it's a time before technology, you can just you know, whip off an email or send a text. If you wanted to send a message to someone, someone had to carry that message from point A to point B um, and, and then share that message. And the paths and the roads at the time, like they were filthy, that they were muddy, there was animal dung everywhere, it was, it was rancid. And so what would happen is these messages would turn up and probably from like the knee down, they were just caked in muck. And what this passage is telling us is that no one really cares about the state of the messenger when they've got good news to share. And it's kind of the same for us. When, when we think about this concept of trying to proclaim our faith, trying to actually speak out what we believe, we can get paralysed by fear about not being good enough. Like maybe, maybe we're not holy enough. Maybe we don't live up to our perception of what a good Christian is. 
Maybe we've met other people before and we think they're really good at it, I can't be as good as them at sharing our faith. But then this verse tells us that actually it doesn't matter about the messenger. It doesn't matter whether you think you're the most gifted communicator in the world. It doesn't matter whether you think you know your Bible back to front. It doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for hundreds of years or whether you just feel like you've just come to know Jesus. The messenger isn't important. Um, kind of maybe a bit controversial to say nowadays, but it's not actually about you. It's about the news that you have to bring. And so there's this beautiful cycle we see that once we come to this point of belief, we are then chosen by God to be sent out into the world and proclaim the message that he's given us, regardless of who we are or what we've done. We, are, we have everything we need. And so kind of the, the reason we're, we're doing church a bit like this today, we're in my living room, you know, the lighting's probably a bit, a bit ropey, the sound is probably a bit, bit rough, but it's just me and it's you and it's your family. We're sitting in my living room having a chat about Jesus. And that, that's kind of the big plan of the church. That's the big secret plan of God, is that he wants normal people like me, like, I mean, look at the state of me, you know, I'm messy, I'm broken, I get loads of things wrong. He still chooses me. And it's, and it's you as well, he still chooses you. He chooses us to sit down over a cup of tea and just have a chat about him. That's the big secret. That's how we see, um, you know, our friends and families finding freedom. That's how we find this, you know, our workplace becoming a place of love rather than hate and greed. It's just normal people like me and like you sitting down, having a cuppa and chatting about Jesus. So I guess I'd, I'd, I'd like to just ask you two questions. Um, today based on this passage a little bit. The first is, um, do you think that you measure up to what you need to be in order to have faith in Jesus, in order to, to be a friend of God? Because the answer is you, you already do. If you believe it, if you feel it in your heart, you have enough. It's by what, you've, what you feel in your heart, what you believe. If you believe what Jesus said is true, if you believe he rose from the dead, if you believe that he died for you, then all you need to do is just speak it out now, and that's enough. So do you think you measure up? Are you willing to accept that through grace, through the gift that Jesus gives, that you can be part of this crazy, wacky family we call church? And the second question is, what would it look like for you, you know, if, you, if you're starting to feel that belief deep down, to then proclaim it in the ordinary, in the everyday? It could be just chatting to your your friend about you know something you've been praying about so that when God answers your prayer they can see that he's done it it might just be mentioning about the church live stream and inviting someone along to church one week might be going for that socially distant walk and being willing to be bold and say hey I believe in God um, I can pray for that thing you're struggling with and it's only weird if we make it weird right we don't need to be better than we are you just need to be you and I just need to be me and we need to represent Jesus in the very ordinary, in our living rooms, on our streets, over a cup of tea, believing that what he said is true and proclaiming it out. So I'm going to pray for us really quickly. Father, I just ask that right now you could be near us. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you have done. Thank you that I don't need to measure up to perfection. Thank you that none of us do, that we are all made perfect through what you have done. 
And Jesus, I just pray for, for any of us now who feel like we don't measure up or we feel like we've done too much wrong or we're too scarred, too wounded, too dirty in order to know you and live as Christians. I pray, God, that you would just speak now, that you would just give peace to those thoughts, that you just, you know, you'd bind up those lies, that each of us could know in our hearts that you are who you say you are and that we are invited to be part of the family. And then, Father, I pray that each of us would have the boldness, but also the contented knowledge that we are able to just very normally and very naturally talk about you in our everyday. Give us that courage. Give us that knowledge, God. And Father, I ask that even over this week, even over the next couple of weeks, we could start to hear stories about how each of us in our community, in our families, in our workplaces, are having those normal conversations. People name dropping Jesus. People speaking about their answers to prayer. Our friends in this community sharing with their, their mates and their families their story about how they found Jesus. Help us, God, to be those messengers with beautiful feet that have good news to share. In your name I pray. Amen.